Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome back to the Grinded Podcast. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends and your family, your coworkers, whoever you come in contact with. Because when you do, you give them the opportunity to get to hear about Jesus and to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So God bless you for being a part of the Grinded Podcast and sharing the podcast. Today we're going to dive back in. The Acts chapter 21, and if you listen to the last podcast, it, it, it's a tough chapter because I don't, I don't have the answers to the questions. I have opinions uh, to the answers to the questions, but if you have the answers as to why Paul was thought that he was bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit was, was prophesying through people uh, as he would go from town to town, from city to city, and they would say, don't go to Jerusalem. And they were speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why would Paul continue his path to Jerusalem where he knows that something terrible is going to happen to him when he could be used by God in many other ways in, in, in the places where he's already started churches? And he could even go to even more places and start more churches. Um so if you have the answers to that question, why did Paul continue his journey to Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit said, don't go to Jerusalem or this is going to happen to you? If you have the answer to that question, uh, email them to me at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com and I will gladly share what you have to say on the podcast because I just share with you my guesses because i'm looking at it two thousand years later obviously i wasn't there you weren't there nobody to in our day and time was there we have opinions and we can write about it um and they're interesting to talk about um but you know we're looking at what luke wrote we're looking at what paul said and what these other people said and we're trying to figure it out but paul would not be deterred he was gonna go to jerusalem and nothing was going to stop him and hold him back. He had that passion and that desire to get to Jerusalem before Pentecost began. And, and as I said earlier in the last podcast, you know, this, the answer to that question, it just hinges on Jerusalem. The place where the church began in Acts chapter 2. Because Paul says, hey, look, I'm not only ready to be bound, but I, I'm ready to die there. So maybe he had a martyr's complex. We talked about it in the last podcast. But as soon as he gets to Jerusalem, Paul almost gets his wish because he arrives in Jerusalem and he meets with James and the other elders there at the church in Jerusalem. And he's talking about the, the great things that God has done among the Gentiles. And, and James tells him all the great things that God has done among the, the Jews as well. And, and in verses 20 through 23, it says, when they heard this, they praised God. And then they said to Paul, you see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. 
They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. What shall we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. So do what we tell you. So here's the bottom line. Somebody is telling lies about Paul and in saying that Paul is going around into these Gentile, he's, he's traveled hundreds and hundreds of miles. He's sailed to many different places. He's walked in, in inland uh, for hundreds and hundreds of miles. And he has started all these churches with Barnabas. And he's gone back and visited these churches a couple of times. And all these great things that Paul has done. You have these people coming into Jerusalem, these Jews, and they're telling other Jews that Paul is persuading Jews outside of Jerusalem not to follow God's law. So they're, they're telling lies about Paul. And that's what the enemy does. He wants to deceive people. Because if you think about it, Paul is a Jew, right? He was also a Pharisee, so he would know the law like the back of his hand. He has never, on his journeys, never told a Jew not to follow the law of Moses. And just like I said way back in Acts 15, I may even said it in podcasts earlier than Acts chapter 15, but when this idea of circumcision came up, that it was going to be a major issue uh, for Paul and for the early church. Um, Paul was telling the Gentiles that they didn't have to be circumcised to be saved. If they wanted to go to heaven, if they wanted to serve Christ, Paul said, you don't have to be circumcised. Because what, what they didn't understand was that when we come to Christ, uh, in Colossians chapter 2, 9 through 15, you can read that on your own. But we are circumcised in the heart, not with a circumcised made by hands, but a spiritual circumcision made by Christ. And, and Paul understood that, but many of the Jews didn't. And we've studied this circumcision business in another podcast. Uh, but uh, that was a covenant that God made with Abraham and and God said to Abraham if you choose not to circumcise your children then they have no part of me and I have no part of them and so th uh, they took it as and this has been going on for hundreds and thousands of years that if you're not circumcised then God doesn't have anything to do with you and you don't have anything to do with God so that was God's covenant among the, the the Jews. And so they were trying to attach circumcision with salvation. And Paul was saying, no, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. It's a circumcision of the heart, not removal of the flesh, you know, a piece of flesh, but removal of sin. And, and, and so Paul understood this, that there, there, there wasn't any work that any man could do. There was not any ritual that a person could follow that, that would save them and that only that salvation only came through Jesus, the man whom many Jews refused to even mention his name. And so 
Remember, Paul has been traveling hundreds and thousands of miles. He's taking the name of Jesus to places that have never heard the gospel. He has risked his life. He's been beaten. He's been flogged. And he's even been stoned for telling people about Jesus. He has done nothing, absolutely nothing wrong. And he has brought hope to those without hope. Thousands and thousands of people Paul has ministered to, from the poor to the rich. He has healed many people, or God has healed many people, uh, from sicknesses and diseases and, and cast out demons through Paul. But there was always that crowd of Jews that chased him from city to city, trying to kill him, trying to disrupt and destroy his ministry. It is no doubt in my mind that this poison, and that's what it is, it's poison, these lies spread by people who thought they were doing God a favor, has sent messages to the Jews in Jerusalem that Paul was preaching against the law of Moses and encouraging people not to follow uh, the, the law of God, which is a total false accusation. Paul was not doing that at all. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, I'll just be honest with you here. I'll just tell you, there's many preachers and church leaders today who have experienced something similar to Paul, something similar to this. They have dedicated their lives. I mean, absolutely dedicated their lives and, and their family. They have given up their their uh, spending time with their family. They have given up their jobs, making uh, lots of money that are, that are more stable uh, and where they don't have to move their families and things. They have given up a lot of things to serve God and the church. They have done nothing but good things and converted many people to Jesus and given nothing but encouragement to those uh, that, that need help. Yet there are people behind the scenes that, that have power, that don't need power, but they have the power and they're, they're trying to destroy that preacher and his family. They're, they're trying to destroy that church leader by making false accusations and skewing the truth. It's happened to me many times in my ministry. and I really just don't understand why people do that. And the sad part is that it's the guy that hired you will be the guy that fires you and it causes you a lot of harm. Uh, my my wife had had that saying. She she always would say, "The guy that hired you would be the guy that fires you." She she was basically right. Um, I was at a church for three. It was the last church that I worked with for about three three and a half years, and we grew from about twenty people to over seventy people at one point. And there was one lady who had a lot of power. I mean, she wrote my paycheck every week. Uh, but from the time that that church hired me, she did not like me. And she didn't even know me, didn't know anything about me, didn't know my family. But for some reason, she did not like me. And she worked behind the scenes against me the whole time that I was there. And, and at one point, she finally convinced the elders to, to let me go. And they did. And a lot of the church members found out about what was happening and what went down and they went straight to the elders and they took up for me and, and and they said, we're not standing for this. We're not letting this happen. And the elders literally hired me back. And when they hired me back, uh, this lady uh, left our church and, and went somewhere else. And, and uh, uh, 
it, it would just made things awkward uh, working with that leadership because they they you know they basically fired me and then hired me back and and it, it was it was just very difficult from that time on and so I eventually stepped down and and ever like I said that was the last church I worked with I haven't worked full time with a church ever since so let me warn you and I know from first hand and I'm sure you can tell me all kinds of stories and if you want to email them to me I would I would love to read those you can email them to me at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com but I just want to warn you the enemy will do anything that he can to destroy you and your family he will use anybody that he can including those who uh, should be supporting you who should be loving you who should be encouraging you that's the the people that are closest to you he will use those and all it takes all it takes is for just a little bit of truth to be twisted and a little bit of doubt to rise up, which is exactly what happens to Paul. And matter of fact, it even happened to Jesus as well. And so James is going to come up with a plan to, to hopefully smooth things over with these Jews that are here in Jerusalem because he's, like James says, Paul, they're going to hear that you're that that you are here in Jerusalem, and they're going to come for you. So you might as well get ready. So we got a plan. We're going to talk about that plan when we come back from break. We'll be right back. Has anyone ever told you something like this? Just give it to God, or let go and let God. Well, I went through something that was very very stressful about ten years ago, and it almost destroyed my life. I mean, it just about killed me. Many times people would say uh, these things to me, some like, just give it to God. And all I could think of, boy, I'd love to give you something. I'd love to give you a big old fat lip right now. But, you know, they were just trying to help me. And, and looking back, they, they were they were really, they were right. Uh, Jesus gives us the greatest peace that anyone could ever give. And all we have to do is let go of that situation and, and really and truly give it to God because that situation is like a chain that just keeps us bound up but when we release it and we give it to God and we have his peace that comes over us those chains are are, are broken that bondage is broken in Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30 Jesus says come unto me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. The key word in that passage is rest because when uh, we are going through chaotic, stressful situations in our life, it wears us out. And Jesus says, if you give it to me, I'm going to give you rest. Give it to God. Give it to Jesus. And you'll have his peace. So as we were leaving for break, I was talking about James coming up with a plan to try to smooth things over with the Jews who have been hearing lies from people about Paul, saying that Paul is out there telling people not to follow the law of Moses, which come from God. And the whole, the whole issue is circumcision. Uh, and and so they were trying to tie circumcision with salvation, and so James comes up with a plan, and he get, Luke gives us the plan in verses twenty three through thirty two. 
And here's what James tells Paul. He says, here's what we want you to do. We have four men here who have completed their vow. Go with them to the temple. Join them in their purification ceremony, paying for them to have their heads ritually shaved. Then everyone will know that the rumors are all false and that you yourselves observe the Jewish laws. As for the Gentile believers, they should do what they already, uh, what we already told them in a letter. That was from Acts chapter 15. They should abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood, or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. So Paul went to the temple the next day with the other men. So he didn't, he didn't refuse. He, he was, he, evidently he thought that was a good plan. And so he was going to be obedient. And so he goes to the temple the next day with the other men. And they had already started the purification ritual. So public, uh, they publicly announced the date when their vows would end and the sacrifices would be offered for each of them. And they did this publicly, right? So people can hear it. The seven days were almost ended. So that there was a week that had to pass by so they could uh, do this purification, purification ritual. And the seven days were almost ended when some of the Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and they roused up a mob against him and they grabbed him yelling, Men of Israel, help us! This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. That's a lie. He's not doing that. But that's what they think because that's what they've been told. And they say he speaks against the temple and even defiles this holy place by bringing in Gentiles. Paul has never done that. But here's why they think that he has brought a Gentile into the temple. For earlier, Luke says, for earlier that, that day they had seen him in the city, not the temple. They had seen him in Jerusalem with Trophimus, a Gentile from Ephesus. And they assumed Paul had taken him into the temple. You know what they say when you assume something. It makes a beep, beep, beep out of you and me, right? They assumed Paul had taken him into the temple. They didn't see Paul in the temple with Trophimus, the Gentile. They just assumed that he had taken this Gentile into the temple. Verse 30, the whole city was rocked by these accusations and a great riot followed and Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple and immediately the gates were closed behind him as they were trying to kill him. Word reached the commander of the Roman regiment that all of Jerusalem was in an uproar and he immediately called out his soldiers and officers and ran down among the crowd. When the mob saw the commander and the troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. I want you to tell you right now, they were going to kill Paul. They were absolutely going to beat him to a pulp until he was dead. And this was always what happens with the Romans and the soldiers. You did not want to cause a stir because you didn't want to lose your citizenship. And so, you know, they were always careful not to stir stuff up because they did not want the Romans coming in and investigating. But that's exactly what's happened here. This mob has come and, and they're just assuming things. They've heard lies from people. They've never questioned Paul to ask if it was true or not. They just said, hey, here's this guy. This is what he's doing. He's got to die. And so they grab him. They take him out of the temple and they begin to beat him. And Paul just happens to be rescued by this Roman 
army. And so going back to the Holy Spirit telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem, you know, God knew this was going to happen. And that's why the Holy Spirit tried to use people over and over again to warn Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Paul had no idea in detail what was going to happen. He knew something was going to happen. He just didn't know exactly what was going to happen. And he was not to be deterred. He was going to go. He had a passion. He had a desire to get to Jerusalem. Why? Because Paul's human. He is limited despite being full of the Holy Spirit. You see, God is eternal and there are no limitations with him. You know, there's no, you know, in math we have the timelines and they start at zero and they go backwards negative or they go forward positive. But with God, there is no timeline. We as humans, we have a beginning. We're born and we have an end. We die. God has always been. He is eternal. He can see forever into the past. He can see forever into the future as if it's happening right now. There is no time with God. And, and so he can, there's no limitations. He can see everything. Psalm 139 is a great chapter to read about that one. When David says, it doesn't matter where I go, I can't get away from your presence. And, and, and before I even speak a word, God, you know what is on my tongue about to come out of my, my mouth. And he says, it's just way too much for my little old mind to be able to comprehend. So Psalm 139, you should read it. It's really good. But... Um, Here's what I'm trying to say. You know, uh, we have no idea what's going to happen in the next minute, next 30 seconds, the next five seconds. We, we could take our last breath and leave this earth, you know, or nothing may happen at all. We, but, but God knows what's going to happen in the next five minutes, in the next 30 minutes, in the next five seconds. And God knows what is best for us, and that is why we should do what He says. When He says over and over again, uh, throughout the Bible to trust Him. Trust God. You know, it, it, it reminds me of the Carrie Underwood song, you know, Jesus Take the Wheel. It's because, you know, when we think, when, when we have control of our lives, we, we literally think that we know what's best and, and we know how to steer this ship or this car or whatever. We, we, we know, we think we know what we're doing, but what we're really doing is making a mess of things. Um, it, it, we're following our flesh. We're following our carnal desires. And, and, and it's going to lead to disaster if we continue down that road. You know, it, it's like someone who has an addiction. You know, mo most addictions are harmful and, and most of them are sinful. But let's be honest, they're, they're really fun. Uh, you know, uh, uh, sin is fun. Uh, addictions, they, they feed our fleshly desires, but they come with a great price. They come with sicknesses. You know, we, we people grow, go broke trying to, to feed that habit, uh, to feed that addiction. Uh, like I said, they're sinful, which separates us from God. Uh, sometimes even death can occur from our addiction, you know, because we, take a we have a drug overdose and we die, and it leads our loved ones to grieve. You know, and we, we thought we were doing the right thing, and, you know, we listen to something, but we listen to the wrong thing. We listen to that craving. And since we listen to the wrong thing and we follow the flesh, well, then, you know, it comes with a price that we have to pay. Well, I think Paul had an addiction. And I, I, I think that his addiction was Jesus. 
And that's, you know, that's a, a, a really good addiction to have. And after meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus and being converted to Jesus, Paul's whole life was dedicated to serving Jesus. He never married because he didn't want any distractions. He wanted all of his time dedicated to Jesus and to telling people about his saving grace. He was addicted to Jesus, and he craved for people to partake of his addiction, uh, which was Jesus, even if it meant that he would die from his addiction. In Philippians 3, 5-7, Paul gives his resume when he says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blood uh, citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Paul loved God's law and he loved God's people, the Jews. So just perhaps his addiction got the best of him. Perhaps he thought that if he went to Jerusalem that he could convince some Jews to follow Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, that was why he was so eager to get there to celebrate Pentecost because he knew Jews from all over the known world at that time would be coming to Jerusalem to offer their first fruits to God and to be worshiping God and he would have the opportunity to share Jesus with these Jews. He could tell them about his addiction, Jesus, and give them the opportunity to share in his addiction, which would be Jesus. But you know, as we just read, his addiction in Acts 21, it almost got him killed. And eventually it would. Here in the next chapter or two, uh, uh, you know, he, he's going to be arrested. He's going to appeal to Caesar. And he's going to be taken to Rome where he's going to be put in house arrest. But it would eventually cost him his life. Um, and so... Uh, he's in the he's in the process of carrying out James's plan as we just read and and there's some Jews that see him in the temple uh, and they had seen him earlier in the day with this this uh, Gentile named Trophimus and, and my question is why, why didn't they go to Paul earlier in the day when they saw him with Trophimus why would they just assume that Trophimus was with Paul in the temple um, because it, I, I don't know why they didn't. But they assume that Trophimus is there in, in the temple with Paul. And so they, they go and they grab Paul and they bring him out of the temple and, and they, they, they begin to beat him. And so the truth is Trophimus wasn't with Paul. But, you know, the enemy is not uh, concerned about truth. The enemy wants to tell lies and spread lies and to destroy you. Or in this instance, Paul and that's exactly what they do. They, they have been sowing uh, lies, and people have believed the lies, and now they are assuming that, that Paul is defiling the temple by bringing in this Gentile, and he has not done any of that. But they drag him out, and they're going to beat him, and they're going to try to kill him. But he is, like I said, he's rescued by uh, the, the Roman soldiers as they, they chain him up. And they're going to take him away. But even, as we'll see in the next chapter, Paul, uh, even though these people were about to kill him, he wants a minute before the, before the Roman soldiers take him away to have an opportunity to give his testimony to these Jews so that they can hear 
about Jesus. So I want to finish the podcast with just a, a, a few thoughts for you to ponder. The first one is this. Listen to God and let the Holy Spirit guide you. I mean, that's what Jesus said that the Holy Spirit's job is in John 14 when he's talking to the disciples. He is known as the Comforter, but Jesus says he will guide you and do all truth. So listen to God and let the Holy Spirit guide you. Here's the second one. When we listen to God and we let the Holy Spirit guide us, then we need to be obedient to God's will because God has a plan for your life. Believe it or not, He does. He has a plan for your life. And sometimes it, it seems far out there, man. It, it, it may seem crazy to you, but be obedient to His will because He will be glorified. It's not for you to get notoriety, but it's for God to be glorified and for Jesus to be lifted up because he says, when I'm lifted up, I draw all men to me. And that's what our ministry should be about is lifting up the name of Jesus, lifting up Jesus so people would be attracted to Jesus. Here's the third, the third thing. Don't give in to fleshly desires. Don't give in to fleshly desires. Uh, they're fun, they're attractive, but they come with serious consequences. Uh, Romans 6, I believe it is, it says uh, the wages of sin is death. That's Romans 6, 23. Uh, death being separation. When we sin, it separates us from God. And so, you know, don't uh, give in to those sinful desires. Flee. You know, over and over again, the New Testament says, Flee from this. Flee from that. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James chapter 4, verse 7. So listen to God. Let the Holy Spirit be your guide. Be obedient to God's will. Don't give in to fleshly desires. And when the enemy spreads lies, because it's going to happen, when you decide you're going to follow God, and you're going to follow God's plan and do His will for your life, the enemy will come in like a flood and he will do whatever he can to destroy your ministry and so when the enemy comes in and he spread lies about you and he tries to rob you of your joy he tries to destroy your character he tries to destroy your testimony he tries to destroy your ministry don't fear don't fret don't be full of worry and anxiety you keep being you and you keep sharing Jesus who lives inside of you. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who is in us? The Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? God the Father, God the Son. Is living in us who have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the last thing I want to say is this. Keep grinding that's what this whole podcast is all about to encourage you to keep on keeping on do not quit it's not an option despite being nearly beaten to death by the mob paul still wanted the opportunity to share his testimony and to give these people the opportunity to hear about jesus the messiah god bless you god bless your ministry Keep grinding.
keep going. Don't quit. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. His grace is sufficient. It was sufficient for Paul. It's sufficient for you. It's sufficient for me. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.